Welcome back to the Warriors Podcast. This is part three of the Enough series. We've had some really good conversations, really heavy conversations. We've decided that we just want to deep dive into a few things. So the last episode, we really dove into the grooming that happened, to the control, the mind games that would happen. But in this episode, we really want to focus on the deliverance piece because deliverance, even though Angela explained it a little bit in a previous podcast, it is such a core value of the organization. It is really almost the heartbeat of the organization and how how people have things held against them, held over them, how it keeps you in line. I mean, it just, it, it has its hands in like everything in the organization. So that's what we're talking about today. And in that, we will discuss the secret meetings that have been mentioned. Those are very important. And we'll discuss something new, which is being diagnosed with mental illnesses that are not labeled as mental illnesses in the organization. They are labeled as demonic spirits and the leader and in leadership, that is usually who brings that diagnosis. So those are the things we're going to be discussing here. This is going to be probably a very intense, another very intense conversation, but it's a really important one. So Angela, you were in the organization far longer than the rest of us. So you know a little bit more about the history of the deliverance, where it came from, and why it is such a core value. So can you explain to the listeners a little bit about deliverance? Yeah, um, but I first wanted to just like put a disclaimer that um, a lot of times when a religious organization is toxic or has a lot of we has a lot of abuse in it, um, it's really God who gets the bad rap from it. And a lot of people, they don't just walk away from the organization. They, they really actually want to walk away from God and blame him for that. Um, it's, it was never his heart in the first place that people would ever be abused. But we've seen since the beginning of time that people use religion as a form of power to control people. And that is no, the, the Christian church is, is not exempt from that. And so, like, really to be able to understand that if that has happened to you, um, that there, that you still have your connection with God. It was never his heart that that was to happen to you. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it's his heart to, that you see that he is making a way out for you, that he's made a way out for you, and that he He is still wanting good for your life and, and trying to get that to you. And so, um, just to really reiterate that um, because a lot of what we're touching on has some biblical values to it and it is God does want to use it as a tool but of course he hands everything over to us and lets us govern whether we'll use it for good or not and unfortunately um, a lot of times people in the church for whatever reason um, want to use it to abuse people but this organization because of a story that had happened with their family member and their family member had had a very positive experience with deliverance as far as they believe that they are being oppressed by demonic spirits and they went through a a session where someone prayed over them and would 
basically hear from God what the demonic spirits were, and then they would use the name of Jesus to cast them out. And so because that person had had such a positive experience with it, as happened so many times, they built a whole theology around it, and they built a whole, like, foundation of this is the, this is what cures. This is what fixes everything. If you're in a part of a ministry where there's not a balance, because not one thing fixes everything, yeah, right? right? Not one medicine makes us completely healed of every ailment. Not one, like, um, you, especially when it comes to mental illness, you can't, there's not one specific approach you take and that approach fixes everything for everybody. Yeah. There's a lot of different approaches that you have to find what works for that person. And even in the church, yes, God supernaturally intervenes, but God also naturally intervenes too. And we have to figure out what is he supernaturally intervening and what does he want to naturally intervene on? And sometimes that comes with a natural intervention looks like counseling. Yeah. A natural intervention looks like getting into therapy. Sometimes a natural intervention looks like getting on an anti-anxiety medicine until you're able to control your anxiety and, and transition off of it. It's really what is working for the person and not necessarily one size fits all. And even God knows that because he made us so complex. So he gives us so many resources and says, here's a lot of different resources because all of you are different. And, um, but this ministry decided it was one thing and that was deliverance. And what they pieced together was if you were experiencing any type of, um, if you weren't compliant enough, to them, if you had problems, if you had patterns in your life, instead of saying, hey, this is thought processes, this is maybe patterns that you learned as a child, maybe these are some childhood wounds, um, they decided it was demons. And if you had a demon, you typically were the one who opened the door to it. So if you didn't agree with them, typically you were labeled as rebellious and you yeah. had the demonic spirit of rebellion and they would need to lay hands on you and cast the rebellion off of you. If you had ever experienced any sexual trauma, it must be because you have a seductive spirit on you and you needed that demon cast off of you. And if you like had a different opinion on anything, <laughs> yeah. then you were like um, a Jezebel or you had a spirit of division on you mm -hmm. or something like that. Sure. And it needed to be cast witchcraft. off you. Yeah. yeah. Witchcraft was a big thing. Um, all those things, and then you needed them cast off of you. So what they would do is you would either be surprised by a deliverance, forced into a deliverance by saying, hey, if you want to go on this mission trip or if you want to be a part of this group, you need to go through this deliverance. Or they would make it to where you really felt like, hey, there's something so wrong with me, I better get deliverance. And then you would either be alone with one other person or typically it was a group of people taking one person through deliverance. And so that group of people would all put their hands on you and they would discern what was wrong with you. So they'd be like, um, I really feel like God is saying that you have the spirit of mental, you know, um, multiple personalities. And so we're going to cast off all these multiple personalities. And anyways, so <laughs> I'm not saying deliverance is bad. I think there's legitimacy in it, yeah. but not everyone needs to be delivered. Sometimes people need counseling. Sometimes people need to develop better habits. Sometimes people need more sleep. Hello. And, you know, um, sometimes yeah. that is, is really what's needed. But they use deliverance as a form of control. Mm -hmm. 
And so that's how they told you, this is what's wrong with you, is they would say it during your deliverance. Mm -hmm. And instead, I don't know about everyone else's experience, but a lot of times for me, instead of walking away feeling delivered, I had another thing to label myself as. Yeah. I am rebellious. I am, I have the spirit of witchcraft. I make people angry all the time. I'm, you know excessively tardy and it's a spirit that's on me that's causing me to be excessively tardy um you know and I would walk away with those labels rather than actually feeling like God had stepped in and intervened and it's because I was being controlled and so it got to the point where your punishment for anything you did wrong in a ministry on a college campus was that you had to sit through a deliverance and you had to sit through it with your peers who all watched you go through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's was yeah. my experience. And that's what we all experienced, all of us. Which you painted that picture so perfectly. They really founded the foundation as well on the biblical principle that um, I think it's in Romans when it says, we don't just deal with flesh and blood, but we deal with principalities of this world, meaning that we are dealing with the spirit realm. Well, absolutely. So, like you said, there's some legitimacy in, like the previous podcast, we brought up generational curses. Um, When we talk about deliverance as a tool, absolutely, these things can be found in the Bible, but people abuse or misuse a lot of biblical things and a lot of gifts and tools that God intended for good. And, And then unfortunately, they end up believing that that is not religion or the misuse and abusive people, but that it, that it's God himself. And, um, and then they walk away from a relationship with the Lord, which I find to be tragic yet understandable. Absolutely. So yes, we do with principalities. Yes, there is a spirit world going on and we need to acknowledge that and we need to be aware of that and be in, in some form of communication with the Lord and with, with a mentor or someone to help guide us in that. However, there is also science that God created and there's mm-hmm. psychology that God created. There is a mind, body, soul, spirit. All of them go together. They cannot be separated. So there's this practical piece too of sometimes you need a nap. Sometimes you need a break from certain things. Sometimes it's a super practical answer. And uh, I, I remember... a a pastor actually was explaining how he (coughs) was in ministry and got extremely depressed, had high anxiety, could not get off the couch and was quoting all the verses, praying all the prayers. He had all of his intercessors and nothing was really working. And so of course you start to go, okay, well the Bible says this and this isn't happening. And what he ended up doing was getting on anti-anxiety medication that he was very much against prior. He found from his believer friend who was a psychiatrist Mm -hmm. who said you can pray all the prayers you can speak all the things over you but sometimes there is a literal chemical imbalance in your brain that cannot be fixed unless god just really wants to do a miracle which he can but sometimes it is going to take medication and so we have to use wisdom in the spiritual and the practical and combining those things so to your point it's where it was misused and taken out of context that everything was a fix-all with deliverance. Very much so with us being pulled into situations 
that I remember I would get phone calls. Some of them were from Angela. A lot of them were from Angela. Some of them were from you guys of like, hey, come over to my house and hang out and let's have coffee. Or maybe the leader of this ministry would invite me over and say, oh, I cooked you breakfast. That was like a thing wow. was breakfast or come hang out or let's have a girl's night. And so you're coming over thinking you're going to hang out with just your friend or hang out with a group of friends and you end up walking into a room with a panel of people much in a setting like this just sitting waiting for you so and they were a mixture of leadership and your peers mm -hmm. ready to tell you what was wrong with you so mm -hmm. a lot of my experiences were um the guys would lust after me because i was highly sexual and full of a spirit of lust so they said so multiple times, different guys would go to the leader or her husband and say, you know, I lusted after Liza because of what she was wearing. She wore this dress today and it was a little short or I could see through or she wore this tank top and I lusted after her and it's because of the spirit. And so not only would I be called in with the pastors, but sometimes I would be called in and meet the very guy who just turned me in and he would participate in my deliverance session. And so it was very much putting peer to peer together, which I don't believe is healthy. I've never seen good results when you put a peer, a friend, Angela and I are a perfect example of that, in a situation where they have to be over you. I have a lot, all of my experiences are mostly because of the sexual stuff, but you have interesting experience with one of your first deliverance sessions and what happened or what they told you happened, what happened really, and what was the argument or the debate about that deliverance? Ooh, it was with the same woman who, the same side leader or whatever. Sidekick. Sidekick, yes. yes. <laughs> who later on after this, this is my first encounter with her. Mm -hmm. And apparently this is her first deliverance mm -hmm. that she had done mm -hmm. as one of the facilitators. So it was just her and the leader, that was it. Yeah. Um, her leader and myself. And so uh, they were trying to call out just a lot of like sexual stuff, things that like they knew because I'd said it. Yeah. Um, I'd said it to them, you know, and I knew I was going over there to get prayed for. I had not totally bought the deliverance thing though. I just, I thought it was a bunch of cuckoo stuff. I, just, I don't have any better words for it. And I heard stories about it of like, okay, it's just very, people climbing up the walls, crawling on the floors, and they would say, oh, that's just that spirit trying to show off for you. Mm -hmm. So they told me, well, don't be afraid or that's gonna make that thing manifest. And I never heard that term before, so I was just like, what the heck? Mm -hmm. And manifest, uh, to clarify, is what? What ha What is a demon manifesting? Okay, so for like me, they claim it was showing off, the demon that I've had was showing off. So for me, it would be, in that session, there was a point where, and remember, like it's important to remember that for me, my first trauma response, because they were hitting some triggers, some things that like now, with a therapist, I've walked through it, I've like gone through and everything. I know my first response is freeze. Every single time it's freeze. It's never been anything different but freeze. I froze. Like looking, I froze. I was immobile. 
And I remember my hands being like this. And I remember scratching my arms because the things they were telling me, the things they were going through, they were making me recount childhood molestation. They were making me recount digging things that I didn't remember that I'm just now, like personally, I'm just now going through in therapy with that I've been like at for years now. And so, and they're very careful with it, with re-traumatization and everything. Mm -hmm. And they were not those two leaders. Yeah. They were just blah, 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 blah. So I remember doing that because that's that's how I would I would numb myself when, when I'd have those memories just on a daily basis or whatever, I struggled with self-mutilization. And so I would cut. Mm -hmm. And so in that moment, the only thing I could do while well, they're calling all this stuff out, and I remember it was just and I just remember scratching. Not drawing blood, but just scratching. Like they're they're like, okay, we're done. And I come back up and we're they're going over, oh my gosh, that was amazing. You were, you were, you were sitting up and then you went to the bowing position, like a prayer. And then you went head down. Did you? Yeah, I was so tired from oh, sitting yeah. up. <laughs> okay. Like but I was kind of in a similar chair and yeah. there on the ground, on my, like holding my knees, like praying over me. Yeah. Or praying over me. Yeah. <laughs> the leader, the main leader was like, look at your arms. Did you do that? You didn't do that. And then the sidekick, sidekick, yeah, um, said, "No, I watched her the whole time. She didn't do that. Those, those just appeared like something's trying to scratch out of her." So and that's I, manifestation. Yes, that okay. would be in their terms. That's a manifestation. Mm -hmm. That wasn't me. That it's was the demon. spirit. Yeah. yeah, that was the demon. That was. So their term for it actually was death. Wow. Um, they said that's death trying to leave your body. Because and so that. I remember now that specific deliverance they were trying to get the spirit of death off because um, i was at the time i was working in a nursing home i was literally surrounded when you work nights you're gonna see people die right at a nursing home right. you just are you, you have to expect that walking in <laughs> but at the same time like i'd had i had a miscarriage while with my time there i'd had all these relationships around me were dying so i went to them for prayer because I felt like every, I, was, I remember telling them, I just feel surrounded by death. Mm. I feel surrounded by it. I feel engulfed by it. Like there's no, like I just, I'm gone. I feel gone as a person. I don't, I have no drive for anything I want to do in life because all I can think about is everything I've lost, everyone I've lost. And so they're like, well, you could come to, come to our house and, or come to my house later and we'll have somebody to do um, prayer over you. We'll just pray over you and just. And you'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll get that. She said, we'll get that off of you. And I never heard that. So I was like, that's oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah, that is the term that they use yeah. all the time. Yeah. We'll pray that off of you. Yeah. You need to get X, Y, Z off of you. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. So I didn't ask. I was just like, yeah, yeah, I'd love prayer. <laughs> yeah. You know? And wow. so... And I remember, so for those of us who had not quite been through a deliverance or many deliverances yet, for those of us who were still on the fence... You were used as an example. You were even, that story of your deliverance was used in sermons that the leader would preach and your name would be dropped about what happened. And it was to... They took I, pictures I, of yeah, my scratches. I remember, I, they showed me your picture. Mm -hmm. they, they had that and... Even after I told them, I, I argued yes. with them. I said, no, I did this. I remember. Like, Yeah. And, and then, like, I didn't know why. I didn't know the free stuff. I didn't know any of that. I just knew right. it's really uncomfortable. Right. <laughs> this is really weird. And it was using it as an example to show everyone else 
deliverance works, demons are real. And mm -hmm. sure, okay, there's truth to that. But when you're over here going, no, I was scratching myself. <laughs> but you know, well, so, and they would also, any emotion. So if you showed any emotion, right, then you were manifesting. Mm -hmm. So if you right. showed anger, if you got angry and like yelled, if you were crying, if you were afraid, having anxiety, any depression, that was all demonic spirits you mm -hmm. had to get off of you. Right. And, but going through a deliverance wasn't like a, it was like a, it was like a sign that something was wrong with you. Like if you had to go through yeah. deliverance, that means something was wrong with you. That means people have been talking about you behind closed doors and now they've decided, well, let's ambush them and then get the demons off them. And then maybe they won't have these issues and we'll all like them better. Mm -hmm. And so it really wasn't a pleasant thing if you had to go through. I really believe that they believed they were doing right. Oh, absolutely. Right. Because of the force, because of, I mean, we had forced deliverances. Several of us have been quite literally locked into rooms and or had someone block the door or had someone hold us down physically. physically while somebody else took us through a deliverance because they felt they were doing us a favor. If you could just get free or get rid of this demon, then you'll be fine. Like for me, because, because they kept taking me through deliverance for this lust. And I, I just still kept having sex. <laughs> like practically I can say I had working hormones. Everybody's welcome. I am well, like, yay, my hormones, they work. But also I had a lot of trauma that I didn't have words for. I didn't know how to process. I had no grid for. And so I was, the behaviors that were coming out sexually were really rooted way back mm -hmm. here. Right. And those weren't acknowledged because they were believed to not be important. And that, I, I think that was a very true and honest belief that to this day is still held mm -hmm. is that everything is, is a demon. And, and when we say that you could be possessed by a demon, that is what everybody thinks it means by having a demon inside of you. And oppressed by a demon would be that it's not inside of you, but it is maybe outside of you dictating what happens to you and around you and that it is a force that has some kind of control over you. I can remember them yeah. describing it as like a demon sitting on your shoulder. Yeah. Yes. Like mm. possession was, oh, you have a demon inside of you that needs to come out and oppression mm -hmm. was just, well, you've got that one hanging on your back like a monkey or yes. um, throwing up was one, it was a manifestation. Yes. Throwing up, yawning, yawning, hopping. Yes. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. So I yeah. remember, I don't know if y'all did this, but I remember when they said, like, if you yawn or cough, that's a demon coming out of you. Mm -hmm. I remember sometimes just to make it, just to make the deliverance stop, all of a sudden I would just yawn big or cough a lot. Did y'all do that? I picked up I one did, that yeah. they would quit sooner because mm -hmm. that first one was three hours long. I didn't mm -hmm. have that anymore. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't remember connecting like, oh, if I do this, if I yawn or sneeze or cough or whatever then they'll stop. But I'm also wondering, because I don't remember having super negative deliverance experiences um, because I didn't have to go through a bunch of forced ones. Mm -hmm. I did go through several, but as far as like with the leaders, I didn't, I don't remember going through a lot of forced deliverances with them. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but I do remember like whenever the ones I did go through were done, they always said, oh, there was, there's just something we couldn't get. There's something yes, we couldn't yes, get out. Yes. And so I walked there's away. There's more left, but we ran like, out of time. Like you're Yes. And it's, <laughs> it's <laughs> free will. And I remember <laughs> feeling at the end of them, even though like I never figured Your out. Your soul's still in there. You <laughs> get it out. Did I get it? You still have a soul. Like I don't remember connecting. Oh, if I yawn or cough or whatever. Oh. Then they'll be done faster. But I do remember doing those things during deliverances. And I'm thinking now, like even like just now sitting here talking about it, when someone else yawns, you yawn. Like it's a yes. psychological yeah. thing. So yeah. I'm like, I'm wondering how much of it was actually demons leaving my body. <laughs> or they told me I'm going to yawn. So now I'm thinking about it. I'm going to yawn. Like I'm wondering mm -hmm. that. But I do remember like at the end of my deliverances, <laughs> I just remember feeling like, well, dang there's something still wrong with me because yes they, they couldn't get it like what the heck you know and, yes. and like well what is so wrong with me that jesus can't fix it and like yeah. and, and that's, that's not the true beginning of people who get confused about what they believe or they just say forget it and they walk away from religion and walk right. away from god in general is because whether it is conscious or, or unconscious, they are preaching this message to where God heals all and he, he can deliver you from everything. Everything is redemptive. You will get complete freedom. But then, yeah, after every or at least most deliverances, it's, well, we just we couldn't. <laughs> There's something else. And there was always something else. And whether it was right after a deliverance or whether it was just in conversations. Mm -hmm. And sometimes sometimes the lead pastor would have a conversation directly with you. And sometimes there were little messengers sent to you mm -hmm. to talk about what else is wrong with you. And so you do start to think if there's this God who heals all and redeems all and died on the cross and made this whole big scene for me, clearly I'm not experiencing it. So... Mm -hmm. Forget it. Yeah. I wrestled with that deeply forever, and I do still find myself in church, even though I I feel like between in my relationship with the Lord personally, I feel like I've settled things with the Lord, but with church, I still struggle, and I still find myself in those, um, when people want to go pray over you and prophesy and all that, I still find myself going, yeah. Uh-huh. But it's, it's because for so many years, for six years of my life, it was preached, you know, that way. I've found myself wrestling basically with God. And I can remember at, at my church that I currently attend, the pastor recently preached on the chapter of Genesis. I don't remember the number. He was preaching on the chapter that where Jacob wrestles with God. The biggest, like it was a great sermon and it was really helpful and healing almost for me because his, his bottom line, his basic point was, it's okay to wrestle with God. Like we're human, we're all going to wrestle with God. Mm -hmm. um, he said, it's okay that you're wrestling with God. Like he's still there. He's still right there and he's not going to leave you. And I just remember thinking like, okay, it's, it's okay. Because with all of this that has come to the surface that I've become more aware of, like, oh, so all of this was actually happening while I was there. And I just had no idea. Like it's caused me to question, okay, well, they preached this, 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 they taught the X, Y, Z. Is that right? Do I still believe that? I don't know. Like, and it's been very 
I don't want to say difficult, but I've wrestled yeah. with it. And it's, it was just comforting to hear my pastor, hear someone else say, it's okay to wrestle with God. Uh-huh. Just stick it out. Like rest, like he's okay if you're wrestling with him. Well, like, you should. Like you think right. about your marriage. Yeah. If you don't fight, there's something wrong with that. But in any relationship. In any relationship. Yeah, you're right. Like if you don't, if you're not tested, mm-hmm. what is the relationship? If you're not fighting, like you bond with people because you go through things with people. Mm-hmm. Right. And how is the Lord any different? Yeah. But I know it's a different conversation, but that's right. such a good point. I can yeah. get off on that. Yeah. But that that's a great point because it does. I mean, I think a good point just throughout this entire podcast is addressing where we can get it wrong because we're human and where we can take things to an unhealthy extreme. And it does create a path for like, we know you, Angela in particular, but we all know people who have stated that they are atheists or have at least stated, I don't know what I believe. I don't, I don't know. It's a hundred percent real and understandable. And I really think that deliverance is the theme and any ex member of this organization, a lot of them will go back to these deliverance sessions. They, they've started from the beginning. You, however, managed to <laughs> skip yeah. all deliverances. And we found that out two seconds before yeah, yeah. we pushed yeah. record for this podcast. So yeah. please enlighten us. How did you get out of it? How did you get out of it? I got unscathed. <laughs> <laughs> Traumatized, but <laughs> in a different way. So I, just for context, I grew up in a lot of different, very charismatic um, environments, like churches that were very, very charismatic, speaking in tongues, you know, everything, <laughs> spirit-led. Grew up watching Benny Hinn, was very traumatized by people on TV who had demons, you know, as a kid, you know, I'm seeing this. So growing up, I had this, like fear of demon possession Mm. and it still kind of messes with my mind sometimes but I had this like fear fear of becoming possessed or like even oppression like oh you sense a demon on me like it was just (laughs) such a huge fear that was I think honestly pushed like by the churches that I was in and by the things that I saw so Anyway, that's context for my perception of deliverances. When I started going to this organization, I didn't really know that this was a thing that was happening. Um, And I I don't know at what point I discovered it. Like you said, there was this little room that I would see people go in after Bible studies, and I would see someone get pulled (laughs) in with, two or three liters Mm -hmm. in this room i mean tiny like oh yeah like closet size yeah like a quarter extremely small and efficiency closet yeah yeah and you could see a silhouette standing at the door just blocking you know the exit i think that's kind of my that was my introduction to that it's like whoever was manning you know the the music at the time or whatever they, you know, would turn the music up so we uh-huh. couldn't hear what was going on oh, in that room. I like that. Yes, yeah. Um, because it was, for context of the room, it was in a coffee house 
it was all one large room, but there were two small closets. One was a storage closet. The other was a deliverance room. Mm -hmm. And we would, we had a big sound booth and we would play worship music all day because <laughs> we, we are spiritual. And they would, and somebody would go turn it up a lot when somebody would go into the deliverance room. Yeah. Sorry. So, no, I mean, that's how I realized, okay, there's some stuff going on yeah. there. And it was very traumatizing to me because I would hear, you know, yelling. I would hear people um, speaking in tongues really loudly. Mm -hmm. And I've never dealt well with any aggression, especially in a religious environment. So when I hear that aggression, my the, the trauma, I guess, in me is just like, okay, this is unsafe. Yeah. So anyway, just hearing the yelling from the facilitators and then the person who was being delivered I mean sometimes it was like blood curdling screaming you know and it could last anywhere from 30 minutes I mean I don't know if there was many of those short ones but it could go hours where literally I didn't see them the rest of the night I had this you know fear that these people were going to take me in this room and do god knows what because I didn't know what was going on back there well, yeah. I mean I put two and two together, but yeah, it, when y'all were talking about it, it made me realize it. And then you said it, it was a punishment, you know, what could be something that's cleansing you or healing you. It was a punishment of you have something wrong with you. And I've never done well with punishment because I was always a very compliant kid. So any way to avoid punishment, conflict, I was like, nope, you know, I'm out. So yeah. So I mean, I did everything in my power, and I think I even lied. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I think I even lied about, like, having a deliverance. I know, I know. So, you know, I think at some point someone had been like, oh, have you found a deliverance, right? And I was like, yeah. That was me. <laughs> I asked I'm sure you had to go into prayer, and there were rumors that it was deliverance. I was like, no. Hey, what's a deliverance like? Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, you'll be fine. <laughs> through but I mean yeah at one point the leader and her sidekick had asked me oh you know have you done this you seem like you're being really oppressed what was the context around it? like what made them think you were oppressed probably just normal human emotions like <laughs> you I mean were working like three jobs you're really tired yeah I mean I was in school full-time you know oh I always yeah. did the full load and yeah working and you know just I was a young kid. I was exhausted right. all the time. And, you know, we were talking about the prefrontal cortex and it's still developing. You know, you're still processing. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So I think, I don't remember the context, but there, you know, there was always something wrong with someone. Like, mm -hmm. like you said, it was kind of always, there was a hook like, oh, well, next time we'll get that, you know, we're, we'll keep pulling you back in. So. Fortunately, I was never a part of, I did not personally go through any deliverances, but. I'm so proud of um, you. I'm really so proud. Well done. Yes. It's, <laughs> you made it. But it's a badge of honor. Was, but. It, was it ever suggested? Like, was there ever something that they were like, mm, Hannah, she needs deliverance? I don't know. Yeah. Um, not that I remember. I don't remember hearing anything. Yeah. Or being told anything like, oh, Hannah needs deliverance for this. 
But also, like you said, like you've always been very compliant with the rules of whatever the place then. is. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, if anything, what what I can imagine them thinking, oh, sweet little Hannah, like she always does what she's asked, and she never yeah. pushes back, right. and never does, you know. They did group deliverances. We never in a group deliverance. Oh, we're like got all of us at one time went through a spontaneous group. They deliverance. locked the doors. Yeah, yeah they, they locked, locked the building yeah, doors, and they would and they turn the cameras off. They they yeah. pull down the shades. They lock the doors, and then they take us through like a group deliverance. Mm-hmm. And that way, I mean, you don't get out of that. You're like, just, just in stuck. Yeah, right there, no. you're sitting. I mean, I'm really hoping you don't yawn because if they say a demon that you're like, like if it's like a random demon and you're like accidentally, (gasps) (laughs) they're like, oh, that's your demon. No, that wasn't mine. I'm just tired. Or they yawn so I yawn. I know. I did so. That's such a good point of we these deliverance sessions. Really would last. How and they were traumatizing. They yeah. were traumatizing. So oh, you're yes. in it. So you think about like having a really intense or an emotional conversation, or having a confrontation, or just an uncomfortable something. You think about that is mentally and emotionally draining. Mm-hmm. But then when you have the spiritual and the physical element attached to it for hours like aggressive very aggressive and you have people touching you and sometimes the touch was not aggressive sometimes it was just putting a hand on a knee or on your shoulder and then sometimes it was one or two people physically restraining you and so that that adds on to all of the stress the anxiety the intensity of everything and so naturally scientifically psychologically mm-hmm. all of that is very tiring very and, and of course it is and traumatizing and, and i always so, felt bad like oh i have to go through one again what did i do wrong like i right? never quite knew what i was doing wrong yes and even to this day i still can't put my i know what i've done wrong to other people but i never quite knew what I was doing wrong. Like, what was mm-hmm. I doing wrong? Like, mm-hmm. where, where was this, like, need to take me through thousands of thousands deliverances? Of deliverances. And it, they would be mandatory. Um, you'd have to go through them if you wanted to go on a mission trip, if you wanted yeah. to get off work. So if you worked for the ministry, there are stories of people couldn't get off work unless they went through a deliverance. Um, mm-hmm. And if you worked for the ministry and lived in one of their houses, you were really yeah. out of luck. Because, Control. because Control, yeah. your money flow and your housing... And your friends were controlled by this ministry, and so you had to comply and like keep them happy. It's the equivalent to spousal abuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of the financials and everything. Oh, for sure. Because we, so all four of us, Hannah, Rachel, Angela, and myself, we lived in the house that the big house that the leader of this ministry had to house all of all of the girls. It was the female home. And Angela and I, Angela Hannah and I, we were the first three residents of that home. We were the three first three residents. Angela had been around the longest, so she was in <coughs> charge of running the home and managing the home, which you genuinely No, I was I was managed every aspect. You managed everything of the ministry. But at the same time I was the most feared by the leader. Yes. The leader feared me, yeah. and I was the most, the biggest troublemaker, but yet put in charge of everything. Yes. It made no sense. Like, yes. she, I'm the super bad guy in charge of all of it. 
Yes. And I'm like, at any point, you could unencharge me. You can really believe those things about me, but that wasn't, they weren't going to uncharge me. No. But you and I. Then they would have to do the jobs you were doing. Right. So you made their life easy, but also you made it difficult. You did do it well. But you and I ended up being the two oldest ones in the home, and everybody else was younger. And so we became instructed to be kind of like the moms of the house. So when you two came in, and it's not even that Angela and I are significantly older than you two, Mm -hmm. we just are older. So it was watch Rachel, watch Hannah, have the conversations. I remember I was put in charge of having a curfew conversation and it was, I think you two and somebody (laughs) out there is a couple other people because you kept breaking curfew. We had, we were grown adults paying for our own, either we were either taking out student loans or we were paying for our own college and we were given a curfew by that ministry to be in at a certain time. Because nothing good ever happens after this time. Midnight. Yeah. Yeah. Like I had graduated college at this point. Right. Because I didn't move in to that house until after I had graduated. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I was. I had graduated college. I was working, I think, three jobs at that point. Mm-hmm. I was paying for my own stuff. Like, yes. I was an adult. I was a baby adult, but I was an but adult. But you were a baby. But yeah, so, the, so what the cycle. I did break curfew all the time. You did break curfew all the time. So the cycle was, y'all were supposed to be more mentored now by Angela and I, who were kind of like the house moms. I remember having the conversation about curfew. I had lots of... There were a lot of touch points. You, we can tell us a different, we can expand on the story later, but you <laughs> had wine in our home and that we were drinking is not acceptable in that organization. No, exactly. So I was instructed to find your wine when right. you were not home and dump it down the sink, which I did with, oh with the sidekick. I don't even think it was wine. I think it was Boone's <laughs> Like... But yeah, so it was that stuff. It and wasn't then I even had, hardcore stuff. No. So then I'm reporting back. And then you are going through deliverances based on my reports yes. back about her disobedience and rebellion. And then if they and did not comply, I'm going through deliverances. Angel's going through deliverances for their lack of complying because we did not do our jobs. Does right. that make sense? Like that was a cycle. Yeah. Go ahead. And well, I just was going to say like, at this point, like when I had that wine or whatever it was Mm -hmm. in the house, I had already turned 21. I bought that legally with my own money that I worked three jobs for. (laughs) Um, and that's probably why I was breaking curfew, honestly, because I worked, I would, um, like my degree is elementary education and I'm an elementary school teacher Mm -hmm. now. And so right after college, I substitute taught for the local school district. So I would go, I would sub during the school day and then I would go to my second job and that location, that place closed at like six o'clock. And then from six o'clock, I would go to my third job and I would work until they closed. Yeah. And so that was like 10, 11 o'clock, depending on when we closed, like it was late, so that's probably why I was breaking curfew, honestly. Wow. <laughs> like, I was 21. I was a legal adult. Like, I could purchase that. I did purchase it because, I mean, like I said in one of the other ones, like, my dad is a police officer. Like, I am not about to be caught trying to buy right. some alcohol before I'm legal. Yeah. Right. And 
I hid it. I remember I had hid it in a box, like in my closet or under my bed or something. Like it was hidden. Like y'all had to like, go through my stuff. Like if that gives you context stuff. for how determined I was, because I didn't <laughs> want to get in trouble or go through deliverance, so I ransacked your bedroom. Yes. I was like, I will find this wine. And right? I did. I'll plant it if I have <laughs> How many of us were sent to, like, to spy on someone else? to oh. and report back like oh, I was sent I did under someone's bed once to have to spy no, on you conversation did. to report back yeah so that I could get my gold star from the leader so that I would be seen as loved and accepted and yeah. part of the the club so you're no longer a troublemaker right yeah. I was always a troublemaker but I brought yeah. she always said you always bring me good stuff <laughs> yes like, like she's yeah. praising a dog or a cat who's brought mm -hmm. her, her a, a, mm -hmm. like a rat a or rat. yeah oh. yeah and that's I always brought her they call stuff. them like watchdogs when people yeah. would be sent on you so even so before I left I had just ended the engagement with my ex-fiance. That was its own really mm. horrible thing. All of my fault to this day, all of my fault. According to them. According to not them. Actually. According to them. Yeah, clarify, clarify for the audience. The, that this is not her fault. My ex-fiance has quite literally made up some some fascinating lies about me. Like, I'm almost impressed. That he's been that creative. He is very creative. <laughs> and he had lots of help. And so he made up all of these uh, lies about how that happened and I got in trouble and I got all these deliverances. And that's the moment when I was like, I'm done. I'm out. I cannot live here anymore. I cannot participate in this organization. So I started planning to move back to my hometown. And when that was discovered, I had people quite literally sent to my home. If I if I was leaving for work in the morning, members of this organization sometimes would be waiting for me outside my home in the morning to prophesy over me or to bring correction to me about why it, I couldn't leave yet. And after multiple conversations, it boiled down to, I had been through too many failed deliverances. I still was oppressed um, by all of these demons that I refused to let go. So if I moved, I would be leaving the organization with all of these demons and I would only further ruin other people's lives. Mm -hmm. So therefore, it, it was not my time and I was not ready to leave. People would wait for me before I would leave for work I would come home from work and people would be there. I had all of these texts and phone calls and then people came. I remember I worked at the mall in the management office and I, my, my office was in the front and there was a huge uh, floor to ceiling window and members of the organization would come to the window and talk to me or stare at me while I was working in my place of work just to remind me that I was not ready and that if I was leaving, I was leaving being driven by a demonic spirit. Wow. And then the leader of the organization in one of the last conversations her and I ever had, it was a screaming match. Like if y'all remember, she would spit, she would purse her lips and spit when she'd get super angry. We were screaming and I was saying lots of curse words. So I, I can own my peace that I did not handle that in a healthy manner but I was very angry and she looked at me and she said, if you leave now, you will be raped again. You will have more abusive relationships 
and it will be your fault. And mm -hmm. every rape, every abusive relationship you've been in is your fault because you have a spirit of lust and you have opened a door and you refuse to close that door and you refuse to let your demons go. That is the, the, the driver for all of us where it's held over and that's why it's hard to leave. When I left, I moved several hours away and I continued for an entire year to receive phone calls, text messages, wow. voicemails of people uh, yelling at me, berating me, name calling, prophesying over me, just the hell that I had unearthed by leaving and demanding that I come back for deliverance. And then I even had people who knew other people in the area I was in and they would show up to church services that I was in. And so I was stalked, which is another, it's also how you know you're uh -huh. in a cult. So I was, I was stalked and that was yeah. a big thing. So can we talk about like when y'all were leaving or wanting to get out, what was their response? I think it's important to notate after a deliverance, immediately I would get turned over and you know, you're being told, oh, there's something wrong with you, this, 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 this. And you have already joined the group because there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then you go into it. So when they tell you, well, we just don't have enough time for you right now to get that, we'll be okay. It's like an onion. It comes off in layers. Yeah. And oh, yeah. a common theme that we haven't talked about yet with deliverance that leads into that. I'm like, raise your hand if <laughs> you were told directly after deliverance, hey, you need to stay away from this person or it might get on you again. Yes. What we just prayed off for three hours mm -hmm. might get back on you. Because yeah. they say that because it's they, isolating. Well, yes, mm -hmm. but they take the verse that Jesus says where he's talking about, you know, once an unclean spirit leaves mm -hmm. and you get mm -hmm. everything cleaned up and, you know, they come back to an empty clean house like yeah. talking about your <laughs> you being the empty clean house you know we've cast all these demons off and now it's clean and nice and tidy they would say you need to fill it with you know read your bible or do xyz or you need to do this service project or what like yeah. whatever you need to do something to fill that house to pack that empty hole that we just Listen Made. to worship music only only right. tune into the radio station right so we own <laughs> Yeah. Yes. And so they would say, they used that verse to say, you have to fill that with all of these things that we're telling you. And that may or may not be true because, you know, it is in the Bible. And mm -hmm. yes, because after that, you know, Jesus says, you know, the spirits, they find an empty house and then they come back sevenfold. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, there is some validity to that. To the but, scripture. Right. To the scripture. It was very much, they used it as you have to do these things that we are saying. Like, yes. do this, 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 yeah. this. But it was and what God told them. You did not get that yourself, which is scripture-based, how right. God would actually mm -hmm. do that. It was God told me you needed to stay away from this person, this person, mm -hmm. this place, this thing, this substance. And it could be an okay so It could be, like, yeah. you know, it could be nothing. And, and but for me, it was always places, don't have sex, which, yeah, okay, that's fair. <laughs> the, pe the people and places I've noticed just in talking, so I'm a very patterned person. Like I know I recognize patterns very quickly, mm -hmm. but the pattern that I've noticed is with each of us, we can probably name off the people that they told us to stay away from or people who disagreed with them. 
Yeah. There was never anybody who agreed with them that they told us to stay away from. It was people who had either left, like I was told, hey, stay away from Angela. Mm -hmm. Stay away from Liza. <coughs> Don't communicate with Liza. We know that you've reached out to her. And, like, I hadn't, and they made me want to reach out to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, and it was because what we were saying to them matched. Yeah. So they assumed, oh, well, she's probably just talking to her. Yeah. Or, and, so that's something that I feel like is super important to highlight. That's why you stay in. There's another way to get better. There's another way to show up and show off for them. Mm -hmm. For you, Hannah or Rachel, did y'all have anything? I know you. I know you didn't go through deliverance, <laughs> but was there when you left? Was there pushback? Oh yeah, okay. yeah. So I had basically I had um, plans to go to a big school of ministry, mm -hmm. and um, was very excited about that. I was wanting to be a missionary, um, and I had like the support of a lot of people who went to this cult. <laughs> I went there and it was honestly such a healing experience for me um, mm -hmm. where it was a very holistic approach. I had never had that before in my life with Christianity. Anyway, it was just a very healthy environment for me to be in to heal you know, my mind, my soul, my spirit, yeah. my body even. Okay, so yeah, I was really excited about going to the school um, so when I came back and had seen um, what a healthy environment could look like, um, that's when I started stepping away from the cult that I was in. And it looked like maybe not going to a morning Bible study or an evening Bible study. That's when people started questioning me more, like, what are you doing? Yeah. Why aren't you coming around? And I was always like, oh, it's work or, you know, something. I I can't recall ever being stalked, but I mean, for all I know, I could have been, <laughs> you know. Yeah. What really did it for me was one evening, this person that I had gone on many mission trips with, um, I had come in one night, you know, for the regular Bible study and he got, he started getting really aggressive with me, getting up in my face. Um, and we had never had an experience like that, but he just, he wouldn't back down and he kept, you know, getting closer and closer to me and I was backing up more and he, I don't remember all that he said, but he ended it with, you need to get your butt back in church. Mm -hmm. And he was pointing his finger at me, yelling at me. And I was like, how hypocritical, how, like what in you saying that is going to make me want to actually get my butt back in church. Mm -hmm. right. And my butt wasn't out of church to begin with. Yeah. I was actually right now. the organization. Yeah, the organization. Yeah. And I was actually exploring God more since I had come back and had these healthy experiences with this new family I had just created yeah. somewhere else and I don't know if it was a jealousy thing mm -hmm. um, you know it could have been a power thing but mm -hmm. anyway that's what did it for me when I had him getting in my face yeah I was just like how exactly. how is this going to lead me back to God yeah. like I'm all I've, I've been getting closer to God it's not on y'all's terms or what you think is correct for me well there's so much to unpack here and this has been 
a longer podcast. We've we've done quite a lot today. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna let us wrap this part up and we can always have a part two deliverance. We didn't get it all out today. Wait, we didn't oh get it all out today. <laughs> However, I, I do think that's really good and, and again for anyone who uh, who has experienced something similar to this or or feels like they are in um, or under leadership that is not healthy or is abusive, there are absolutely resources out there. I can list them again in the comment section in YouTube. And absolutely, if you have questions, uh, I think you said it in the last podcast, is reach out to other people who are outside of that organization and just start having conversations and see what they say. So hopefully this was enlightening. It was certainly fun and intense at the same time. So thank you guys so much. And we hope you enjoyed it.